Hallelujah. Well, these are crazy days. How many would agree? Interesting times and uh, things that are happening around us. And, uh, but we're thankful you're here with us today. I believe God has something for us. And uh, as I get in this this morning, it's been interesting. I just want to make this statement to you this morning uh, as we start getting in the Word. But before we get in there, I, I would encourage you. We are partnering, as Pastor Tim said, with Bayside and in there. And if, you're, if you haven't been on our, if you don't uh, use Facebook and on our Facebook page, uh, there's the link there to sign up and for a volunteer link. And if you use that link when you, when you go on to sign up to help volunteer, you have to keep scrolling down because it'll look like all they're asking you to do is clean. And they need a lot of help cleaning because they have to sanitize the whole facility every two hours. And uh, everything, every touch point and all that stuff. So they need a lot of help with that. And that's awesome. It's two hours you could go in and help with that uh, and dealing with that. But also, uh, if you keep going down, they need help in the check-in center. They need help in the distribution center, receiving and, uh, and setting out items. They need help in uh, cooking for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So that is all in there. So... Uh, but you have to keep scrolling down. If you do it on your phone, you get to so many pages, and you have to click. There's a little button that says more, and it gives you more dates. So they'll go through each item. We'll have several days for cleaning, several days for the check-in center, several days for distribution, and several days scheduled out for the cooking and things like that. So you have to keep going down till you get to an area that you feel like you could help in or would like to help in. They also have areas listed there, or we, you can... Uh, there's things that they need. If you check in up there, you can contact them, and also they'll let you know items that they need donated still and that, but a lot of donations are coming in. We've opened up our sanctuary here to be a, a storage area for the distribution items that they cannot contain there. So we're working together, and it's just cool to see the churches coming together. Amen? And uh, so it's sad that it took something like this, but praise the Lord, uh, good will come out of it. Amen? And uh, I want to encourage you also next Sunday night, which is our Sunday night prayer, we'll have communion in the morning prayer at night and uh, just coming together and praying. And uh, one of the greatest things we can do is cover this season with prayer. Amen. Did you bring your Bibles? Yeah. All right. How many know this is a great day to know your Bible? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, and know what it says. Let's make our declaration this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for the living, abiding truth of your word in each and every one of our lives. Holy Spirit, Anoint what we say this morning. Cause truth to be planted into our heart that we might live and honor you through all we do. In Jesus' name, somebody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, also, last week we talked a lot about what's going on in current events. We're going to touch on some more of that this morning. And, uh, but we did draft a, uh, a religious exemption letter. So if you're in a place of employment that you could use, this is a, an overall statement by us as a church and, and as a pastor, uh, our beliefs on this. And as I said last week, many people, we've helped some people this week file their religious exemption form. But most of the employers ask that you personally file your exemption form. They're not looking for you to copy and paste stuff. 
They're, they're looking for you to have your own conviction and know why to make that a statement. And then some folks have been able to add this to that, and it's been helpful for that. But this is, is available out there. There's copies out at the information counter there, and uh, you can pick one of those up as well. Also, uh, pick this up this week is September. So we have new copies of the monthly devotional. These are so good, and I just encourage you, uh, just a great thing to add to your daily devotionals. Amen? Pick one of those up, and uh, that will bless you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, we'll turn to a few places in a minute. But I want to read this and, uh, in different areas. And I, wa- I want to make this statement that I started to make a moment ago. It is this. Uh, there's a prophetic significance to preaching the gospel. There's a prophetic significance to preaching the gospel and to hearing the gospel preached. And, and I need to hear that because the Holy Spirit is sent to show us things to come. And he reveals truth and he gives us clarity from the word of God. And so when I'm just hearing, many times I'll go, well, I don't know if that applies to me. I have that. You always need to have ears to hear. You always need to be listening to what the Holy Spirit is trying to say because he will prepare you. And it's amazing. I read you a statement last week that, that, that I wrote eight years ago in 2013. And uh, it's kind of cool having, uh, I, I like technology from there. A lot of my notes and stuff I now keep on my iPad and I can keep them in and back them up and all that stuff. And so I used to have all my notes on uh, a, uh, uh, those spiral like uh, uh, shorthand notes, you know, flip over notepads and stuff. So I take notes on that. And I still have piles and piles and boxes and boxes of notes from 40 years of ministry. So there's a lot of little notes laying around. But in that, trying to find, man, when did I say that? When did the Lord show me that? When did I give that? It takes a long time to go through boxes. Amen? But now you can go back and you can scroll through. You can do a keyword search and different things in your notes and stuff and help you find things in that. And so it's always interesting. But I didn't realize that and that thought of, of, of what I'd written a while back when I showed you the piece on uh, on a living in a vegan, last week we talked about living in a, a being truth vegans that we don't want to hear truth. And so, just like people say, I don't eat meat, I don't eat that. We live in a culture that doesn't want to partake of truth. And so, we talked about deception and dealing with that. And, we, and then, as I, I just remembered, there was that commercial from Febreze that they had that spray the air and spray the, the furniture, or whatever. But people are sitting there in a trash heap, but because it smelled good and they were blindfolded, they thought they were in a totally different environment than they were. And it's interesting that the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the people, Paul wrote in, in Corinthians. He said he's blinded our minds from being able to receive and to hear the truth, lest the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ would shine upon them in their hearts and they would be saved. So there is deception, there, is a, there are blinders on, and there are people who think their life is great because it smells good. I don't know how that all works, but anyway, um, in dealing with that. And so in going back and looking at different things, and then uh, Monday night with the men, we talk about a whole bunch of different subjects. We kind of go all over the place. We have a blast. And we talked a little bit about the second coming of the Lord last week. And what's an interesting thing, and it has been for several years, whether it was with Katrina or whether it's been different things, whether it's been... uh, so many different catastrophes and things that have been happening, COVID and everything else, you would think that people would be coming to the Lord. 
You would think that the churches would be full. People said, well, man, when the church comes back together, you know, the, 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 the churches are just going to be packed because people are going to realize that God's the only answer and we need to, you know, we've hesitated now. We need to get serious about thinking about our eternal destination. You could have a suddenly come upon you and all these different things with so many people dying and everything from this. You would think it would produce a revival. But when you read the book of Revelation, you find out during the judgments, people aren't repenting, they're cursing. During the time of judgment, people turn more to curse God than they do to repent and seek forgiveness from God. And so it's, that's always interesting to me, especially when we watch these times. I remember people were showing, there was a video out of a guy, this is me on the first day they opened the church, and he's dancing down the aisle. I'm here, man, I'm back, and doing all that. I haven't seen that person at church yet. Anyway, but dealing with all that, I mean, we were, we're, we're a little bit different and uh, of a flavor because I'm a little bit different flavor than most pastors and that. And so we were crazy enough just to stay open. Amen. And just to not be freaked out about all this, but trust and believe God and, and use wisdom and, and, and do all the things that are necessary. But we just believe that we have that right to make our own choice. And that's what last week was all about, about making our choices. And so today and this week, as I'm praying about God, these things just keep multiplying. And now we have the whole Afghanistan issue taking on a whole new level of things happening. We are a couple days away uh, from them trying to pull us all the way out of there. And what's interesting, John George was with us last year at this time, and uh, he sent me a video the other day, and it, it's one that is pretty, it, it, it's not a movie scene. It was a video of 10 to 12 Iraqi men kneeling down and being executed. A live video of them being executed. It looked like a movie, blood splattering everywhere. And that, but it was men lined out, kneeled up, and other, whether they were Taliban or ISIS, whoever they were, but other Islamic men behind them shooting them in the back of the head. And then after they shot them and they were laying on the floor, the whole group of them, a whole barrage of them, backed up and unloaded hundreds of rounds into the body. It's just a barrage of bullets into these bodies on the ground. And what our country doesn't understand and what most people don't understand, even in our own natural life, you are not in a natural battle, you are in a spiritual battle. We are not engaged with an enemy and terrorism on a natural level. This is a spiritual ideology. And you cannot negotiate. I made a post this week and with a quote out of the Koran. And out of the Koran it says, you do not go their way if you can't get them to, to immigrate to Islam, to accept Allah as their God, then you kill them and you search them out. And you make no allies with them. It tells him right in the Quran, you do not make allegiance with the infidel, with the enemy. If, if they do not follow Allah, then you have every right to hunt them down and to kill them. And so that is their religious philosophy that is behind that. There's also the religious philosophy that if you give your life fighting the infidels, which is why they have car bombers and suicide bombers and all that, because they believe they are serving their God. Are you with me? Well, we, our government, sits down, well, well, we wrote out a peace treaty, and this is what they said. Well, well we gave a treaty, they gave their word, we gave our Their word means nothing. 
And our government doesn't comprehend that. Therefore, the lives of our men and women in service are in jeopardy at a greater level. And now they're getting ready to leave so many people behind. It's just amazing. But look at what's happening. And, and I think about this. We are worshiping. It's a little struggle for us to get here in the smoke. We're dealing with some stuff. But there are people who are left behind in Afghanistan right now. That at any moment, my son-in-law had one of his interpreters uh, that they worked with when he was in the Marines there that, that was actually pulled out of a bus and executed right on the street. And so things are happening. So it's not just a matter, you don't even have to be a Christian if you were somebody who stood against the, uh, stood with the United States, helped what they would call the enemy, if you helped the enemy in any way, if you are a non-citizen uh, there, if you are from any other foreign country, not just American, but if you are a nationality someplace else, your life is in danger, as well as churches and Christians. Are you getting this? And so lives on the, our problem is in America is we have been wussified. We've been taught this isn't going to happen here. But now we're facing things like vaccine mandates, shutdowns, lockdowns, all the different things that are coming down that we thought we would never face through our freedom here, that America was immune from all this somehow. I'm sorry that happens there, but that'll never happen here. All that is changing. Are you listening to me? And so with that, with all these things happening, not just locally, but then expanding out across the board and globally, think about right now. We've been having fires in the west. We've been having storms on the east. There's a brand new storm coming up. Ida is getting ready to hit uh, the, the, the gulf in there and, and the, the southern states across there from Mississippi and, and uh, Louisiana and Alabama. All those states are getting ready to be hit by another almost a, a category five hurricane again today is the 16th year anniversary of Katrina hitting that area and now this storm is hitting there again and so all these things are happening but here's my question who's calling upon the name of the Lord amen and then even in that and, and how are we given to prayer and giving time to prayer and, and pressing in and seeking God even as the church as a whole are doing all right and so with that, uh, the, I'm going to read this other statement that, that I addressed on the coming of the Lord and the stirring of the Holy Spirit. It said, nobody addresses the subject, this subject anymore. Most choose to preach around the coming of the Lord or not at all. In doing so, we have let go of the fundamental truths of our faith. It has caused us to live casually with a relaxed faith and no expectation, leaving us more focused on building our kingdoms here than looking for our king and his kingdom to come. We are, we, are to def, we are to definitely make our plans for a long life and the future. Jesus said, occupy till I come. Live like you're going to live to be 180. Plan for a long life. But we are to live our lives as if this was our final hour as well. At any moment we live, we are to live as Christians under the acceptance of his imminent return. Imminent meaning at any moment. The Lord can come at any moment. One thing that people get when it comes to the rapture and dealing with Bible prophecy, they forget that when you get into the seven-year tribulation, there are times when it tells you that there's 1,260 days from this point, 1,260 days, four, 42 and a half months. These things are happening, and there's specific timelines when these things take. The coming of the Lord, the Bible says, comes in a day and hour when no man can expect it. So there, there's, there's things that you have to read and to understand in there on the coming of the Lord. And it's so important that we study it all and have clarity of understanding. But for the church, 
And our purpose here on the earth is to understand that as well. So I'm not going to get way into this. I just wanted to read these opening statements. We are here redeeming the time because the days are evil. The Lord will surely come at a time when we think not. Only the Holy Spirit can keep us in tune and aware of the hour so that we are not taken by surprise. Come on, if we're not waking up with everything going on around us and there's not a more urgency in our hearts and our lives to be pressing in, to be sharing the gospel with people at a greater measure than ever before. If there was ever anything to inspire us to preach the gospel, it should be today. Could I get an amen? So think about this. The church as a whole has allowed ourselves to be moved away from, the cert from certain truths because they're controversial. And we have regressed to preaching what is most acceptable by the masses. Whether it is the fullness of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and the gifts in ministry, His gifts in ministry in the body of Christ, the church or the rapture, the coming of the Lord for His bride or the truth of holiness and sanctification and final judgment, we've moved away from those. As a result of this, the church church overall has grown stagnant by losing its press in the spirit and those with a passion for his presence have been segmented have been uh, segmented up into special interest groups individuals and in small groups splintering off into a large variety of specialty ministries outside the church having small moves of temporary outpourings of his presence but nothing sustainable with the power to produce a real revival in becoming politically correct and starving for social acceptance we have become scripturally inaccurate Whenever this has happened in history, God has always moved on a remnant of his people and stirred them up to a new level of faith and devotion, igniting in them through the stirring of the Holy Spirit the spark that produces revival in the church, which then leads to an influx of new souls being saved and added to his kingdom. I believe that we can be just such a remnant. I believe revival can come through us. How many would agree? Amen. So as God's people, that is something that I felt the Lord would have me direct to us this morning. But it's amazing that it's something that God has given me before. But when you go back, wait a minute, there's prophetic significance to what God gives us. Here's the trap that most pastors fall in. D.L. Moody said this. He said, you've never preached a message. You've never adequately preached a message that God's given you till you preached it 300 times. I said, I said I, got, I get one message for the whole year. You guys just lock in. <laughs> but watch this. Brother Reddick, an evangelist, said this years ago. He, 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 was, he was a funny guy my pastor had come all, every year. He said, you may forget my message, but you'll never forget my title. So he would give his messages these crazy titles. And people would remember his title, but they couldn't tell you what he said in the message. And that's the way it is with most of us. Unless I really study... And I'll just get down and be plain this morning. How many of you have an outline in your hand? How many go home, go home and read it after service? <laughs> okay, and study. So I, I give you the tools to study. I put all that in there for you to study. But if you don't apply and you can't remember what I preached last week, then I should preach that message again this week until you remember what I said. That's why Peter said it like this. Peter said in, in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, he said, it's, it's not grievous me to tell you the same thing again or to stir up your pure mind or to bring you in remembrance. And so I go back and I look at things. There's many times I've gone back and look at messages I preach. I man, that's a great message. We need to hear that again because it has prophetic significance. Are you doing all right? 
And so in preparing for this week and going through that, I had several different directions. And then the Spirit of God said, with everything going on around us right now, and then driving up this morning, and even as Pastor Tim, I don't know if he knows it, but the last scripture I have in my outline is a scripture he just read over our offering. And he didn't see the outline before he prepared what he had for the offering this morning. Are you doing all right? And so the Holy Spirit always orchestrates what we do. But then I'm driving up this morning, I'm thinking about perspective. And if you've noticed, the smoke has settled in the valleys. But if I looked up this morning, the sun was clear. So if you just get up a little bit higher, there's a level of clarity out of the valley. Are you doing all right? And many times in our life, that's what's happening to us, is that we live in this valley. And it was amazing. Then I read Oswald Chambers' devotion this morning, and it's amazing to exactly what God gave to me and to tie this in. But we live in, we, we have mountaintop, he, he makes a great saying, we have mountaintop experiences with God on the Mount of Transfiguration. We have these glorious times in the presence of God, but then we have to come back down and live in the demon-possessed valley. And it's so easy when you're in the valley to forget what God showed you on the mountain. And he wants you to live you, wants us to live with that higher perspective. Amen? And so follow along with me this morning because I want to talk about that we're called to live above the cares of this world. After these things, Revelation 4 and verse 1, it's there in your outline. After these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me. Everybody just look up here just for a moment. So I, I want to just throw this in on this area, throw a few prophetic things in here. But in this area, a trumpet saying, come up. Go back to 1 Thessalonians 4 with the archangel will come with the sound of a trumpet. And we are caught up to ever be with the Lord. So I tell people like this. We, I believe in the rapture. I wish you believed in the rapture. I, I, I could teach on it. I did a lesson on a couple weeks, uh, a couple years ago, and that we may touch some more on it here to move forward in the next few weeks. I tell people that if you don't believe in the rapture, you're welcome to stay. You have more faith than I do. <laughs> if, if you can read the 21 judgments in the book of Revelation, you have faith to get through that and be part of, of, of less than half of the people on the face of the earth that survive. You have great faith. And if you have that great a faith to make it through that, you should be doing signs, wonders, and miracles right now. Are you doing okay? So through all of that, so watch it. I hear a voice, a trumpet, like a, speaking to me, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. So the rest of the book of Revelation, John the Apostle is writing the book of, of Revelation looking down upon the earth, not from the earth. He has a downward perspective, an overall view of everything taking place. Not a horizontal view, but a vertical, up-down view of what's happening. Are you doing okay? And that's important. We missed that. So everything he's seen, he's seen looking down. Like this. That's a different perspective. Can you say amen? So what happens is change your view and you change your perspective. If all we see is what everyone else sees... It will be hard to have faith for the things God has declared to us in his word. If all you can see, my friend, is what this world sees, if all you speak is what this world speaks, then it's going to be hard for us to believe, to receive what God has declared in his word. Faith must have a view that sees from a perspective that is higher than what the natural man sees. <coughs> Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Are you doing okay? 
I want to get through this, and I want us to spend some time in prayer today in intercession for so many needs that are before First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says this, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolish to him, nor can he know them, because they are what? Spiritually discerned. So for me to understand things, I have to have spiritual discernment. And the only way to develop, I love what Oswald Chambers says, prayer life is not, is not so much about you, but it builds your intimacy with God. Prayer life is what builds your relationship with God. Doing okay? Prayer is the, is, is, is the meat that we eat that feeds us spiritually. Prayer in the Word is what builds our intimacy with God and our relationship with Him. You see, faith operates. In fact, let me just share this with you. Chamber says this. This was in today's devotion. He says, faith must be tested because it can, it can be turned into personal possession. It can be turned into a personal possession only through conflict. What is your faith up against just now? The test will either prove that your faith is right or it will kill it. Blessed is he whoever shall not be offended in me, Jesus said. The final thing in confidence in Jesus, believe steadfastly on him, and all you come up against will develop your faith. There is continual testing in the life of faith. The last great test is death. Life of faith. Think what people in Afghanistan are facing right now. The test of death. Are you willing to die? Or are you willing to back off? In, in so many different the, the greatest test of our faith is when we're facing the end of, this, of the temporal life, are we holding on to eternal life? Do I have enough faith in eternal life to overcome natural death? Are you doing all right? Think about it. Believe steadfastly on him and you come up, everything you come up against will develop your faith. May God keep us in fighting condition. Faith is unutterable trust in God. Trust which never dreams that he will not stand by us. I love that. Amen? So 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith in what? Not by sight. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live, watch this, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So we're called to live to a higher life. Amen. Romans 6 says, when it talks about baptism, says we are buried with him in baptism, but watch this, but we are raised with him in newness of life. Being raised with him in newness of life being, means being raised completely in his life. So that however Christ is living, we are to be living the same way because our life is now in him. Are you doing all right? Our life is in him. Look inside your outline. So there's two perspectives, horizontal and vertical in life. Looking out and looking up are two different views. As I was driving up this morning, I'm looking out, driving up the freeway. All I see is this great cloud of smoke. But as soon as I lifted up my eyes, I saw the clouds, the, the, the sky was clear just a little ways above the valley. Looking out and looking down are two different views. Just being able to look out, but then being able to look down, those are two different things. Think about it. Going higher removes the obstacles that are blocking our view. 
Because if I'm just horizontal like this and something is in front of me, if I get up just a little bit higher, I can see over what is in front of me. I get to glaze over and see what's on the other side of the obstacle. Height changes perspectives. And it begins, perspective changes, begins by looking up. Are you doing all right? When you're going through a problem, it's so easy when we're going through life, we're facing problems, all these situations, everybody, everything you're hearing right now is horizontal perspective in the world. Everything in the news, everything all in the natural is all horizontal perspective. Nobody's giving you a higher plane view. The world's never going to give you a higher plane view. Doing all right? Listen to this. From the 26th from the other day. This was amazing. He says, are you painfully disturbed just now, distracted by the waves and billows of God's providential permission and having, as it were, turned over the boulders of your belief? Are you still finding no well of peace or joy, comfort, all is barren? Listen, then look up. I said, what? Then look up and receive the undisturbedness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Reflected peace is proof that you are right with God because you are at liberty to turn your mind to Him. If you are not right with God, you can never turn your mind anywhere but on yourself. If you allow anything to hide the face of Jesus Christ from you, you are either disturbed or you have a false sense of security. Wow. Are you looking unto Jesus now in the intimate matter that is pressing and receiving from him peace? If so, he will graciously, he, he, will, be, he will be a gracious benediction of peace in and through you. But if you try to worry it out, you obliterate him. You thought I said tough stuff. Listen to this. If you worry it out, you obliterate him and you deserve all you get. Now, I didn't, it's, it's, Oswald Chambers, you can Google him, he's dead, but you can send him an email anyway, okay? <laughs> we get disturbed because we have not been considering him. When one confers with Jesus Christ, the perplexity goes because he has no perplexity. And only our concern and our only concern is to abide in Him. Lay it all out before Him in the face of difficulty, bereavement, and sorrow. Hear Him say, let not your heart be troubled. Amen? So think about that. Look at what Paul says, and, and so if we can say, I, I, the Lord gave me this the other morning as I was preparing this. He says, what we can't see through, God sees over. What you cannot see through in your life, no matter what it is, these circumstances we're in today, if I can't see through it, God already sees over it. And what I, I don't want to just see it right here. I want to be able to see over it and have peace in Him. Are you doing all right? Watch it. We are seated with Christ where? You're seated with Christ where? So that's why I said, Romans 6, you're raised with him in newness of life. So if I'm raised with him and he is seated by the Father and I am in him, if any man be in Christ. See, we have positional reality in our lives, spiritually. So I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. And though I'm in here, I, I'm not moved by what's around me and what's going on. So here, 
what we see, what we can't see through, God sees over. Our life on this earth is where we live, but our view of life is from heaven. We have to live here, but I don't have to be bound by what I see here. My view is down from heaven. Are you doing all right? Okay, stay with me. So watch it. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. The view from there is different than the view of walking in the earth. What does that mean? That means as Christians, we see things that other people can't see. We see things in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit shows us. People say, well, how come you you aren't perplexed by everything going on? Because I'm not looking at life from your perspective. I have a higher perspective than what you have. My perspective is from being seated in Christ and looking down. Paul Paul goes on in Ephesians, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and what? And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above what? All principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. So if we're the body of Christ and Jesus is the head, it's not just his head sitting by the Father. And we are not the headless horsemen. The head and the body are connected. Are you doing all right? And so if he's seated there, we're seated with him in God. Look at the next verse, Ephesians 2, 4 through 11. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which with he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now what? And raised us what? Up together and, and did what? What, 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 he, he what? Made, made Say it again. Made us. He made us sit together. You may feel like you're here, but you're sitting someplace else in him. He made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. Why? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kingdom towards us in Christ Jesus. So Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he will show us things to come, meaning he gives us an elevated view into the future. Amen. Another way to say this, Paul says, keep your eye on the prize. Paul says, I'm pressing for the prize. Paul said like that, I'm living for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And, and I'm pressing for the prize. That's what I'm pressing for. So keep your eye on the prize. So let me give you this this morning. The ladder of God's word in prayer. And several years ago, I preached this message around a little different context, but in the same area. And so I'm going to illustrate it to you this morning. The level, the ladder of God's word in prayer. Every decision we make in Christ is like climbing a ladder that lifts us above the course of this world. Unfortunately, many people today are just happy with step one. First thing of the ladder is to confess our sin and repentance. Okay? And step one and two kind of go together and being born again. So most people just say, you know what? I'm good, I'm saved. Okay, that's a little different perspective. 
Amen? But then you really need to be born again. Because a lot of people can confess and repent. But unless I completely turn away, many times in, in, in a very short time, I'm back right where I started before. So to be born again means to realize that I'm now a new life in Christ Jesus. Okay? And, and then I get up here, and then I go, okay, now I, 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 I'm born again. Oh, that's a better perspective. Amen. Okay, now that you're born again, you need to be baptized. Okay, I'll get baptized. But now, this is getting kind of shaky, shaky and precarious. Wow, this is, you know, a little rare air up here. Amen. It's a different perspective. And so most people will stop right here. Repentance, salvation, water baptism. Watch this. That's all I need from God. Say that again. That's all, all, all I need from God. It's not about, God is not about what you need. It's about what he needs. It's his. And, and so when we miss things about what's going on, uh, when I teach on, on prophetic things like this, it is God's only doing one thing in the earth. People say, what's God doing in the earth? He's fulfilling his eternal purpose. Ephesians 3 says that God is completing his eternal purpose. So you have eternity path, you have eternity future, and in between you have time, and in here, the plan of redemption is the completeness of his eternal purpose, which was established before the foundation of the world. And it's going to be completed, come to culmination at the end. And he will have completed his eternal purpose, and we're part of the completion of his eternal purpose. Peter even says that, that we bring it along. 2 Peter 3 says that, that we are causing the day our obedience and saying yes to God and living for him, not for ourselves, is what causes the purpose to move along. People say, why is God taking so long? Because he's accomplishing his purpose through us. I said it to you last week. You are the will of God. God's will is you. His will is you. His will is people. And he accomplishes will in your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does God do his will? Read your book. Everything in there that God does is through people. His will is accomplished through people. And if people don't want to be obedient to his will, it takes a little longer for it to be fulfilled. Why is God taking so long? Because we don't want to play. We want to stay, we want to get to that place where we're just comfortable in him, self-secured in him. Self-secured in him. Doing all right? Okay. So look at the next. The third rung is baptism. So we got there. We got three rungs. Cool. Raised in newness of life. Old things pass away. All things become new. I thought this in as I was putting this together. I started thinking, man, this is a whole lot better than the milk crate challenge. Anybody seen the milk crate challenge lately? I don't know what idiot started this. And it's not so much the guy that started it. It's the idiots that are doing it. So they, they got these milk crates, and you start out with one, then two, then three, then stack them up, and it's like a ladder, and you get to, I don't know how many it is, maybe 10 or 12 at the center, and they're supposed to come down the other side, and people are getting up, going up that thing, then the milk crates are falling apart, they're falling down, landing on the thing, landing on their head. It, it's a wonder somebody had been killed yet. The guy, guy fell, landed right on his back on the middle of the I go, dude. Hey, man, I did it. It's awesome, dude. Y'all try it. <laughs> anyway, but the latter challenge, I believe, is a better challenge than the milk crate challenge. I believe God's latter challenge is a better challenge for us. Besides that, he'll, he won't let you fall. Amen? Watch it. But then, see, we, we get to number three, and, and we're cool with that. But then, if we want to go up, then the fourth rung, 
is being baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, I just like three. Three's cool. And four, I don't know. I've heard some crazy stuff about people who are on the fourth rung. Amen? Those people do some crazy stuff. They talk really weird. They do crazy stuff. They pray for people. They fall down, different thing. That's crazy stuff. I don't know if I can go there. I'm content to stay right here. Now what? Every level is another perspective. Every level gives me a different vantage point and a different viewpoint. Amen? And then, what's the fifth level? What's the fifth level? Being renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, if I don't go here, the Holy Spirit renews your mind. So if I don't allow the Holy Spirit to do His complete work, not just filling me with His nature and that. How many remember Brother Johnny who was here, our usher brother that was here a few years ago? Moved to Reno. He posted something the other day about praying in the Spirit. The poor guy got bombarded, man. I just felt people just going off on him about praying in tongues and everything else. But see, the Holy Spirit is in you for regeneration. But the baptism is about Him being upon you to endue you with power for ministry. The word upon is always used with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The word in is always used with being born again. You are born of the Spirit, the Spirit of God in you, and the Spirit of God upon you are two different things. So then if I go to the next rung, and I'm up here, and I am now having my mind renewed. I'm open to, you know what? It takes a lot to get, to let go and to trust God. Are you doing okay? Amen? So now my mind is renewed. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm no longer arguing with God. I'm agreeing with God. A renewed mind doesn't argue with God. It agrees with God. And then the sixth step is, is that I'm now seated with God. Where? In heavenly places. So now I'm at rest. And my walk with God is a rest. It's not a conflict. It's a rest. Are you doing okay? And now being seated here, when I'm seated... I'm at peace. And I have a whole different perspective. I can see the top of all y'all's heads. <laughs> but see, God, God always does this amazing thing. He never quits asking us to come up higher. So then we go, oh, I'm seated. That's good. Well, God didn't have you just seated. Just to, there, there's never a place where you get done in God. Cool, I made it to six. Let's go to seven. Oh, dude, yeah. And then you get around people on six, and they want to do crazy stuff. Because they believe God can do anything. Because when you get seated in Him, to be seated, you have to completely trust Him. You lose the debate. You're, you're done trying to figure Him out. Well, I just, you, you, you don't go, you, you never have to take that. I don't understand. I don't understand too. I believe. Amen. I, I just believe. Believe. I trust. Amen? Amen. All right. But then, well, 
Um, I'm a trained professional. I repent of my sins. I'm born again. I'm baptized in water. I'm filled with the Spirit. I renewed my mind. I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. I believe I can do all things in Christ. And I find myself, I believe I can lay hands on the sick. I believe I can do what He said I can do. I can be who He said I could be. I'm no longer just quoting those verses off the wall. This is my Bible. I live by it. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. Amen. And I overcome. I overcome. You know what this is? This is an overcoming view. God allows you to see beyond the horizontal obstacle that is in front of you. So to keep going. Well, I, I was seven was cool. Dude, you're on nine. Yeah, come on. You know what this is up here? Rare air. Because most people say this, Pastor, that's awesome. You go there, come back, and tell us what you saw. <laughs> Nothing's changed since Moses. Where did Moses go to meet God? Where? <laughs> Up a mountain. Amen? So God always invites us to come up to where he is. Are you doing okay? So you get there. But see what happens is people get here. But see, you get up here, God will start saying crazy things. He'll manifest himself to you. And that might freak you out. Some of the things he'll ask you to do when you're here, he would never ask you to do on rung one. The way he asks you to live, to give, and to serve here is totally different than down there. And when you get up here to trust him in this area, it's totally different. You just believe, okay, Lord, if that's what you want, I can do that. I trust you. Are you doing okay? And we trust God in that area. But the nation of Israel said, hey, that's cool, Moses. God shows up a little too heavy for us. You go up and talk to God. Come back down. Come back down. Moses and tell us what he said this is what the church has done today is you've relinquished your right to come up to somebody else to go up for you this is why we have re spiritual celebrities this is why Christian television is so popular televangelists oh they went to the presence of God they told us what they saw The door is open to you. Revelation 4. Yeah. Revelation 4. We read it. One. A trump, and I saw a door open in heaven. God set an open door before each and every one of us. You have the same invitation I have to walk with God. God is no respecter of persons. Yeah, but this is going to set, upset my whole apple cart of what I thought about life and God. I, 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 I just got it all figured out. Watch this. 
Look at all the suddenlies that are happening around us right now. Suddenly there's a massive fire. Suddenly people are evacuated. Suddenly there's a hurricane hitting. Suddenly there's an earthquake in Haiti. Suddenly there's an outbreak of a virus. Suddenly the certainties of our life are shaken. Can I just tell you the only thing? The only place where there's certainty is climbing up. Is in Him. Are you doing okay? I hope this is helping. Let me finish with this. Look at the last page of your outline so we can pray. Every promise to the believer in Christ is upward. Everything God calls you to is upward. Our blessed hope is His return and our being gathered together with Him in heaven. Colossians 3 tells us to seek those things which are above. Philippians 3, the upward call of Christ. But see, too many have settled for walking over climbing. The thrill is gone, B.B. King sang. As a blues song. I believe, unfortunately, that's become the theme song of many church members. The thrill is gone in my walk with God. Because there comes a place in our walk with God where there's no more feelings and emotions. It's just a walk with God. It's kind of like marriage. How do you make it for long term? Made the choice to stay. Regardless of anything. I, I'm, I'm, I'm What's that thing? How can I say I'm in it to win it. I entered the race to win. I'm married to win, not to lose. Are you doing okay? So 42 years goes by fast. How you been? Ray and Jenny approaching 50 years. We have another. The, 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 uh, uh, I'm probably getting in trouble for saying this, but we have one couple in our church. And uh, Walt and Barbara Jack, they've been married over 60 years. Man, they are in it to win it. Amen? So in your walk with God and everything, you have to choose to keep climbing and not settle for walking. Keep the thrill in your relationship with God. Are you doing okay? When in truth, we have an invitation from God to always come up higher. Philippians, uh, Ephesians 4, Paul says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up, in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Hear me this morning as I get ready to close. The only way, Bill, you come back to keyboard, please. The only way to be an effective member of the body is by giving to supply, giving to the supply of the need of the whole. In order for this to happen, I must go up higher to get a different perspective on life. To be able to see that God has ordained a purpose for my life it, as an effective member of his body contributing to the need of the whole. So what's that mean? As I go up in God, I get to the place where I'm, I'm just beyond myself and now I have my mind renewed and I'm at this place. In the renewing of my mind, life is no longer just about me. Okay, And when my mind is renewed, I begin to think and care about other people. And I'm past the place of worrying about my own needs, my own things. I, I trust God. He's got me. He's got me. He knows my needs. He knows everything about my life. He, he knows how, how, to, how, how to bring me joy. Are you doing okay? 
and so I, I can give my from here my mind is released I don't have to fret I don't have worry I don't have anxiety I'm able to live and to give and, and now I'm excited because he says that, that the body will be edified but what, by what comes out of me which means that he has put something in me that he wants to come out of me as a benefit to others around me and if I get to the place where I'm renewed to believe that God wants to use me in this area and he'll flow out of me and bring benefit to the whole and the church will grow and be strengthened and be edified and become what he ordained it to be sign me up sign me up amen my wife gets nervous when I do these illustrations Amen. You used to be okay when I was younger. I bounced better than I do today. Amen. Hallelujah. Hear me this morning. Every moment of time, every penny we spend on anything in this world is an investment in temporal things that will not last. Every penny and every moment we invest in the kingdom of God is transformed from being temporal to being eternal and will produce an everlasting harvest. You doing all right? Let me read this verse to you out of Romans. Romans chapter 15. Listen to what Paul's saying. This is so awesome. Romans 15 and verse 28. Paul says this. Verse 27, it pleased them indeed that they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and sealed to them this fruit. Or Paul said, these churches have taken this offering to minister. There, there was a famine in Jerusalem. So the churches around the region of Asia collected money to send aid. Like many of us are doing right now. There's a fire in our area. So we're coming together. We're giving. We're donating and doing that to help those that are in need and, 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 and caring for others. And, the, and Paul's saying here, when you live like that, when you live out of generosity, when you get to that place of elevation in God where your perspective on life changes... Paul says, this, I'm going to go give this gift, and they're going to receive the gift, but it's going to be sealed to the account of those that gave. And where's that seal? That's sealed in heaven. When you gave this morning in the offering, what you gave that goes into the kingdom, that gets sealed into your account. Paul said in Philippians 4, 17, I'm not seeking a gift from you. I'm seeking the reward that comes to you through giving. I want you to receive the reward. That's why Jesus said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. So when I get to that area and I have a perspective when things are going on around me, that's what's been awesome, watching people, even though they're evacuated, they're out of their home, they're serving, they're helping, they're giving. There's something there's in us. The nature of God is in us. And if we can just climb up and keep hearing God's voice to come up higher, we can release ourselves from the weight and the burden. We have the right perspective, and everything changes, and we see God's influence work through our life for the increase and benefit of others. We can only become caught in the trap. We can easily become caught in the trap of placing more value on the things of this world that are temporal and depreciate with time than on the kingdom and appreciate than on the things of the kingdom that appreciate and value for all of eternity. The kingdom increase increases for all of eternity. I want to read one last scripture to you, and I'll read it to you out of the New Living Translation. 
If you want to turn there, you can. But it is Hebrews chapter 10. Beginning in verse 19. And the little emphasis here is a call to persevere. Now listen to this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, listen to this. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. <laughs> we can boldly enter heavens. Watch this. Heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Where's the most holy place right now? In heaven. Jesus presented his blood before the Father. In, Moses built a tabernacle after the pattern that is in heaven. Watch it. In the most holy. And since we have a high priest who rules over God's house, let it watch it. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere heart, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep His promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Listen to this. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Listen to this. This translation says it like this. So wrap your, verse 23, so now wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. Verse 24, discover creative ways to encourage others, to motivate them towards acts of compassion, to doing beautiful works and expressions of love. This is not time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. I said last week, we're closer to the end than we are to the beginning. Amen? And so, this is the time to encourage one another. And the Lord said in the last days, all kinds of crazy stuff happened. Not good stuff, but crazy stuff that says, hey, you're close, be ready, live aware. Be sharp. Have the right perspective. Look over what's happened to you, what's in front of you, to the promise that is before you. Are you doing all right? Praise the Lord. All right, guys, if you'll get rid of my props this morning. Will you stand with me this morning, church? If you'll see there, see in your outline the scripture that Pastor Tim read. Never forget what we can't see through, God sees over. He has invited us to see life from His perspective where we're seated with Him in heavenly places. Though we live and walk through this earth and are faced the same challenges and risks as everyone else, we see life from an elevated, redeemed perspective. Hear me this morning, the devil works to bring us down to his level of influence. 
with the same challenges and trials as everyone else. But we see life from an elevated and redeemed perspective. The Holy Spirit always works to lift us up to our rightful place and perspective in Christ. You just bow your head this morning. I'm just going to pray with you and for you. Father, thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.